Thanks for listening to the Underdog Podcast presented by the Riley Decker Companies. Please do us a favor and help us change and improve lives by subscribing and giving us a rating on the platform of your choice. Thank you. We want to welcome uh, Ryan Hawk. Welcome to the Underdog Podcast. Great to have you back. Uh, I guess this is the third time to uh, be graced by your presence. Can't appreciate uh, the mentorship and uh, friendship and just glad to have you. Dude, uh, you know, I'm a big fan of uh, seeing what you've uh, accomplished so far and just what you're about to. So it's good to be with you again, as always. And I, I always love our chats, dude. Well, here is uh, a special. There's a different picture behind you. It's not the the jersey, the the art of gift giving. That somewhere that that jersey's hanging. But behind you, that pursuit of excellence, that new book. Um, man, just loved reading it. Has so many great tangible takeaways and, and, and knowledge nuggets as always with your content. But really wanted to kind of hi- highlight some of the different things I saw on it. Talk openly and as always, man, just love the conversation and everything you're doing out there. I really appreciate it, man. As I told you, I think I start a ton of books, but I don't finish a lot of them. Um, and I think uh, an author needs to earn every single turn of the page. And so it, it means a lot to me that a guy of your caliber and all the things you've accomplished and all the how crazy busy your schedule is that you would uh, invest the time to, to read that thing. So it means a lot to me, man. Well, you, uh, the podcast was created off of uh, the learning leader. So it's the least we can do is, is engage, but, uh, I promise you're being nice to me, but I did pick on you recently with, uh, Shane Snow with your Dave Matthews band love and <laughs> affirmation, but, uh, I'm glad you're gonna be nice to me today. So that's good. No, dude, I told you, I love Shane. Uh, we, we went out to dinner in New York before I saw Dave show at Madison square garden and, and, uh, <laughs> and when I told him who I was going to see in concert, he, he, he kind of turned his head a little bit and goes, Oh, okay. Like that wouldn't be my choice, but Hey, I do. I don't care. I love, I love Dave, whatever I I'll find. I, I guarantee there are some people in our age range who are into that music. So I'm, I'm definitely one of them and not ashamed of it. Love it. Love it. Um, <laughs> success versus excellence. And, and I know, uh, Brooke cups, who's another guest of ours on the underdog podcast and with you at the learning leader, uh, has made a big impact on you. And he, he touches upon the difference and you have it in the book as well. Success versus excellence. I don't know if you could touch upon that, uh, that piece. Yeah. Dude, I mean, it's, it's primarily about the comparison versus your previous self or the comparison versus others. And I do think there is some science out there where you can use comparison with others to your benefit. Um, I just released an episode with Liz Foslian and she, she writes about envy and how you can somehow use envy to motivate you. Uh, she tells a story about Gretchen Rubin being envious of others who had written books that, that then prompted her to become a writer and, and she ended up writing multiple best-selling books. So I do understand that aspect of it. For me personally, I have found my life is richer and better and I'm more productive if I focus on comparing myself versus my previous self, as opposed to when I fall into the comparison trap on Instagram and other forms of media where I am in comparison with others. So for the most part, I would say it to me, excellence is about being a little bit wiser when I go to bed tonight than when I woke up this morning. That's an easy prompt and a question I can ask myself. Am I a little bit wiser tonight 
than I went to when I'm going to bed than I was when I woke up this morning. And if I'm not able to say yes, then I messed up that day. And, and if I'm able to say yes, and I string together a lot of those days, day after day after day, that compounds, that becomes powerful. That's how we ensure that the next time we record a podcast, whenever that is, whether it's a week, a month, or a year from now, both of us are better than we were today. And hopefully, hopefully a lot better than we are today. But that's what excellence is for me. And I think it's okay to make that personal for you and for others listening, whatever that may be for, you, for, for me, though. It's all about what am I doing to ensure I'm a little bit wiser tonight than I was in the morning. Yeah, and, I, and something I hear there is, is um, self-awareness. And you talk in the book of, of an individual, Ryan Serhant, did a self-audit and really got that 360 feedback you know, about you know, what his peers and what some of the folks and, you know, that were, I guess, friends or, or in business, what, what do they think, you know, of, well, he asked what they think of him and didn't know if you could touch upon, I think self-awareness is a, is a big aspect, getting that feedback. And the next thing, you know, he's like the number one real estate, you know, person in the state of New York, 1.4 billion. I think if I remember correctly, can you kind of talk about, you know, where he really looked like you talked about not comparing yourself to, to others, but really himself, he did the self audit and then he becomes super yep. successful. Really, it's it's to me, it's about um, you. You first and foremost have to have this personal board of advisors, whatever you want to call it. Uh, John Calipari, when he came on, he said it was his kitchen cabinet. So whatever Jim Collins, your who, whatever your who is, these people who are willing to tell you the truth and have have the knowledge base that they, whatever they're telling you can be helpful. And having both of those are hard. So think about the people who are closest to you in your sphere. It's going to them on a regular basis and seeking guidance, seeking help, asking them to audit you. What do they think you're really good at? What do they think you're not good at? Can they, can they, can they give you examples of times when you've really messed up or give you examples of time when you, times when you've thrived? To me, I think having those core people in your life is vital on this path of excellence to get a little bit better. So a self audit is just regularly asking those questions of the people who know you best, who have high level of competence themselves, and they have the guts and the willingness to tell you the truth. That's really the only way we get better. Kyle, think about like, as when we played at Miami or wherever you played it, it the coaches who were willing and able to correct correct you day after day after day. That's how you got better. I mean, the greatest players in the world loved being coached. Have you seen that little three and a half minute video of Peyton Manning? It's floating around yeah. where he talks about how much he loved being coached, how much he really needs and yearns for that feedback. That's what a self audit is it's like regularly doing an audit on yourself with the people who are closest to you that can tell you when you're really good and tell you when you're not, as well as potentially opportunities and ways that you can get better. That's that's a critical part, I think, on this path of excellence that you you, you kind of have to have. Yeah, and you talk about Greg Popovich, and then, you know I study a lot of his work, and I think his players, like you said, he he uh, he coaches so hard, but they you can tell like when you learn more about how much he loves them and all the things he does with the wine and dinners and specific things and very detailed things he does for his players 
and he stands so close to him, that physical touch and, you know, his players like Tim Duncan and Manu Ginobili and Tony Parker and all these guys, you wonder why the Spurs were so well, did so well. But I think it's a lot to what you're saying. His players, he was able to garner that trust inevitably then to coach the greats and Hall of Famers like Tim Duncan. Yeah, I, I mean, that, that's a, a, a great example of building a, a culture. Uh, I think they had a thing called, is, it, they had a box when they were uh, reviewing all of the potential draft picks is, is, is he a spur or not. And like if if you didn't mark, he was a spur and like all of the makeups of what it means to be a great teammate, to be coachable, to build, to buy into their culture that they've built to be unselfish, right? It started, I think, with a guy like Tim Duncan, who was the ultimate unselfish superstar. So uh, I think it, when when thinking about building teams, and I know you talked to Shane about a little bit about dream teams last time. Uh, that's those are some of the things that I think a great leader clearly uh, documents and understands, and then works with their senior leaders to ensure that the people they're bringing onto the team exhibit some of those must-have qualities to ensure that it keeps growing and going in the right direction. Yeah, and you, I think talking about teams and sticking together i didn't know this um i've heard of the stockdale paradox but i didn't know much about commander james stockdale who was tortured for over five years in southeast asia vietnam coming from the vietnam war and you talk about that in the book about um the stock stockdale paradox and it talks about winning no matter the circumstances so kind of going off of the team and how important it is to have you know someone in, in an adverse point to have that innate ability to always believe that you're going to win. Can you kind of touch upon that piece of, of your book? That that comes um, initial research from Jim Collins, but the Stockdale paradox is basically uh, you, while you have an optimistic belief that you will find a way, you also are not afraid to confront the brutal facts of your current reality. And I think this is really important in business at times where you get the rah-rah leader who's not willing to confront the brutal facts in front of them. And opposed to that, sometimes you get the person who is only super negative and so focused on problems, but has no vision, no optimism for belief that that's, that's not good either. So it's the, the Stockdale paradox is, is, is having both of those. This belief, this optimism that you will find a way but you're not afraid to confront the brutal facts of your current reality. And I think that can be applied in sports, that can be applied in business. Obviously, in his case, it was applied when he was held as a POW of understanding what he was dealing with um, and not having these unrealistic beliefs, because that's what he said happened with some of the people who ended up dying was they had these unrealistic beliefs. Oh, we're going to be home in a week. Oh, we're going to go home for Christmas in a couple of weeks. No, that's that's not the, the current reality. You're not you're not living in reality. And those people ended up not making it. And I think it's it's being able to balance between the challenges of your current reality as well as having an optimistic viewpoint through the world and and say we're going to find a way. If you can combine those, that's like the mark of 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 what good leadership is able to do, especially like. You're going through a rough quarter, or it's halftime of a game and you're losing. Uh, how, how are you able to confront the brutal facts of the reality as well as have optimism to say, here's where we're going to go? Here's what we're going to do. Here's our plan to get better in the second half. I think that that's that's the make makings of what like a great coach or a great leader. Yeah, you talk about you know the mental toughness, right? You hear that oftentimes in sports or different things is like when adversity hits, like you said, how do you 
get through that moment to to have success. And I I had heard the the paradox, but then reading through it, first of all, I would never what he went through. Oh my goodness, the shackles <laughs> and being. I mean, I'm like I just cringed mentally. I, I was trying to visualize his situation, and it was just it's God love our our military and people the POWs that went through that stuff, but. I'm glad that he did not die. He talks about dying, as you said, from the broken heart, you know, having those, those, uh, you know, those expectations that you're going to get out and you never do. So I'm, I'm glad he did. And we've learned obviously a tremendous amount. Um, speaking of, of another story, I think, uh, commander or no, uh, general, excuse me, William McRaven, uh, or Admiral, I'm I'm messing it all up today, butcher, butcher and left and right. But nonetheless, he shared a story with you about Moki Martin, um, who, I guess I'll let you kind of touch upon that. Another really, I think on the underdog podcast, we talk about adversity. Someone of his stature goes through a significant event and gets paralyzed. Didn't know if you could touch upon, you know, what, you know, Admiral William McRaven had shared with you about Moki Martin. The, the, the I, I love the McRaven uh, conversation. Um, what an amazing, uh, amazing leader. The Moki Martin story is the, is really, um, really about the story of, of the sugar cookie uh, Moki Martin was one of the guys who was in charge of of uh, the Navy SEAL training uh, for Admiral McRaven when he was a little bit younger. Uh, so they're a little bit different in age, and and Moki would always uh, really have it out for for McRaven and would tell him to uh, to hit it. And then when he say that, he'd have to run into the ocean, get his body uh, soaking wet with his clothes on, and then have to roll around the sand. And you stand up, and you look like a sugar cookie as part of SEAL training. Eventually, though, Moki and uh, Moki Martin and Admiral Craven went on to become teammates as SEALs. And Moki was known as a guy who was in uh, amazing shape. He was doing triathlons before really anybody did triathlons. And one day he's out riding his bike, training for a San Diego uh, triathlon. And he uh, has a bicycle accident where he runs into somebody else riding their bike. Um, they kind of, they hit each other. They fall down. The other guy kind of dusts himself off, gets up and walks away. And Moki Martin is paralyzed from the, from the uh, chest down. And, um, McRaven shares the story about Moki because he went and visited him in the hospital and, and not once did Moki complain, uh, not once did Moki say, why me? Not once did he say life's not fair. Um, he realized the circumstances that he was, he, he was dealt and he had a positive attitude moving forward. And since that day, uh, Moki's gone on to create all of these races for people who are paralyzed. He has uh, become a dad, uh, all these amazing things. And he said in all of the years since then, he still, Admiral McRaven has still never heard Moki complain about that when obviously I think it would be very normal for any of, any of us to say, oh my God, my luck is terrible or why me or poor me. And I think that's the lesson of the sugar cookie is that sometimes like life isn't fair. And it's really about how we choose to respond from those situations, how we choose to handle them. And we do have that choice. And uh, when I put myself in that situation, I'm not sure I would handle it that well. Um, I complain about far less than that. That's for sure. But that helps bring good perspective for me. It helps me rethink how uh, the things that I complain about, rethink how I, I approach life as well as this value of gratitude. I mean, it really, um, it, it makes me grateful. Like I just had Michael Easter on, we talk about taking the stairs versus the escalator because we choose to do hard things. Well, I mean, 
if I didn't have legs, I couldn't take the stairs or if they didn't work, I couldn't. So in a way it's a, it's a way of me showing gratitude that my legs and my body work, you know? So let's choose to use them. Let's choose to do the harder things that prepares our body for whatever's coming up next. So I love the, the, the Moki Martin story. Love to meet the guy. I think it's uh, an amazing, um, uh, real life, tough, tough story that McRaven uh, told me that I, I, I think about quite often. That's why the story ended up making the final cut for the book. Yeah. I think going off, um, obviously transitioned to the podcast to myself and I contemplated when Calvin had kind of moved on and I found so much gratitude in the stories. I'm so glad season three is going on because I've talked to people like Tom Morris, who was in a bike accident and, you know, became paralyzed. I've talked to uh, Tom DeVries, who who uh, also you know became disabled, and and it just it's it's amazing the gratitude. It's so good for for me. You become busy in life. I know you got more kids than I do, but I got three now. And with business and stuff, you kind of lose focus. Like you said, I think the one of the best things of of anything you know doing this podcast, and I love listening to your stories as well on the Learning Leader, is just you be there's just so much gratitude from your guests, but also their situations, and it just. So oftentimes I catch myself and I don't know if you do when you're, when you're interviewing some of the folks is you start putting their lens on, not your lens. And, and you're like, Oh my goodness, you know, real, Oh my gosh. Can you imagine like going through that, you know, adversity or going through that event? And I caught myself reading the book and doing the same thing and talking about an event at Lattimore, both we had him on, you know, he was on your podcast, got him on our podcast and talk about a guy that could be you know, his situation talking about that, you know, he was, was in and all the adversity he placed another great yeah. person that has overcome adversity and didn't know if you had, I know you, I think mentioned him twice in the book, but another person that's been on both our podcasts, but you know, his story is pretty inspirational as well. Well, I mean, I think of, uh, it helps with perspective again, because Ed grows up with a single parent household, a lot of drugs, a bad area, government housing. I mean, all of the things that are like opposite of how I grew up. And, but the part that really stuck out when I talked to him and I, I wrote about it too, was the fact where he said, if, if, if I'm, let's say on trial because I killed somebody, the judge doesn't care how I grew up. The judge doesn't care about my problems. I'm going to jail. And I was like, exactly. People don't necessarily care about all those other problems that then but that 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 then led to you doing something that really negatively impacts other people's lives. So it's just thinking about how you approach others, how you try to add value in the world that while in his case I would have fully gotten it if he would have messed up, broke the law, did terrible things. And he had some moments, obviously, in his life with alcohol and drugs that he had to deal with. But he could have easily blamed and said, well, you don't understand the things I'm dealing with or that I had to go through. This is why I'm doing it. And instead, he's like, no, you know what? I'm going to go to school. I'm going to go to one of the best schools in the, in the country. I'm going to become a boxer. I'm going to get my PhD. I'm, I'm going to, I mean, he does all this crazy stuff despite growing up in, in an area that I think it would have been completely warranted for him to 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 be a person who uh, doesn't add value to the world, and instead now he adds massive value to the world. So I think it's kind of th those stories to me are really inspiring, and also tell me, dude, don't waste this opportunity you've been given. You're you're in a much better position than someone like him growing up. 
with amazing parents, amazing brothers, uh, a safe place, right? All great coaches, all these great things. Don't waste that opportunity. Don't waste the good stuff that you've been born into. And so to me, that's a huge motivator. It's not to waste all of that good stuff that I've been given to say, like, let me maximize like every last ounce of the goodness that I've been given. And let me even try to exceed that if I can to give back to others, to pour into others, to add value to other people, whether it's through podcasts or books or speak, whatever it may be. That's like, that's one, one of the, the big whys for me behind it is, is not to waste this cool opportunity. Yeah. Talking about not wasting and maximizing someone. I didn't know. I must not have, fo- not have listened. Uh, my ADD must have set in in my history class, but Theodore Roosevelt, you know, he, uh, you know, I had no idea that he had bad asthma. Um, he was often sick and, uh, he had to really overcome. He ended up being our 26th president and the youngest at age 42, but he didn't have, as his dad would say, he didn't have the physical capabilities. We might have the mental, but then he went and started lifting weights and he boxed and he did all sorts of stuff. I had no idea. It's a pretty cool yep. story. It is another great one. I did not, I learned about this later. I didn't, I'm, we probably were similar <laughs> students, uh, kind of became better learners as we got a little yep. bit older. But yeah, I mean, another amazing story of, of how he made his body. That's what his dad said. You got the mind, but you, you don't have the body. You're a sickly kid. And so that's what he did. And I think that like understanding a deficiency and working like crazy to fix it, it's not just because I know Strengths Finder is all about focusing on your strengths. And I understand the value of that. Talk to Tom Rath about that and all of the Strengths Finder people at Gallup. But in addition to that is, is understanding the areas that may previously would have been a weakness and turning them into a strength. And he's the ultimate story of, of, of someone who's done that. Yeah. I just love, as you can tell, man, I was, this is like underdog story or learning leader. I'm like, I'm yeah, going, hopefully I'm not ruining the book here for anybody. I'm, I'm here to hopefully show a little bit of insight to say, Hey, this is the pursuit of excellence. Um, yeah. it is definitely in the, in one of the last stories I'll share and want to obviously ask you a few questions, but, um, there was Euro Uno. Did I say that right? Make sure I got that. Did I say that? Giro? Giro. Giro. Okay. Yeah. Giro. Giro. Yeah. And he, uh, great, great uh, sushi chef, yeah. right? Is that the right? Okay. Help me out here. Have you help. seen Giro Dreams of Sushi on no. Netflix? No. Okay. No. If it's still on Netflix, I think it may be. I haven't checked because I haven't watched it in a bit. But if it, it, look up the documentary called Giro, J-I-R-O, Dreams of Sushi. Uh, and that's that's that was the whole, everything I read about Jiro in the book is because I initially saw, um, that, that documentary. Yeah, you anyway, think, you think I'd be at 130 episodes. I could say names better, but man, I'm, I, I should have picked the easy. Well, if you stories. only read it, if you, if you only read it, then, uh, I understand like Ryan Holiday, I had a long conversation about this. He's like, I mispronounce things all the time because okay, I usually read them in books. And if you only read them in books, you don't know how to pronounce them. So I get it. It's completely cool, <laughs> but you know, he, it's he's kind of a good thing. Yeah. It? Yeah. I, I guess. Uh, thank you. Um, <laughs> It was just like you said, how, how, what, 95 years old and he's still trying to be better. Like I just found his, I think one of your most uh, impactful quotes and content was JJ Reddick. I think I've told you this. You've never arrived, you're always becoming. And that to me years ago, I'll never forget, I was on the stair stepper listening, listening to one of your podcasts. And I had to listen like four times. You've never arrived, you're always becoming. And so this story, you know, really resonated with me because I, I, I love, at that time, I was like, oh, I got to arrive. I got to get to this point. And, but you, like you said, as a leader, we were talking before the podcast, it's hard. 
you're never, you're not perfect. We're all imperfect people. And we're always, I think the, the great leaders are always trying to find and always be better because you've never arrived. And so I found that, that, you know, the JJ Reddick podcast and content you guys discussed to, to this situation. And he's like 95 years old trying to perfect his craft. So just found a yeah. really cool story. Jiro's story is amazing, dude. I mean, just the guy is constantly, he's already the best sushi maker in the world. Right, people travel the world to go, and you you basically, and this is something it'd be a bucket list thing, but you, this is some uh, you you travel there, you have to book your reservation months in advance. You go in there for fifteen minutes. I think it's like four or five hundred bucks. I don't remember the price. It keeps going up, and he just makes the sushi and sits there. And I think it's a lot of sashimi, but um, the greatest in the world at his craft, but is so intently focused on how he can get better. And he's also teaching others to do it as well because he can't be a one-man show. You need help uh, in that world. And But the amount of work it takes just to make the most basic uh, bite of sushi, I guess you'd call it, uh, it's like 10 years as an apprentice just to have a chance to start serving customers. Think about that, 10 years, that, he, that he's per, per working and leading leaders and trying to help others as well. He's always working on himself. And I think as senior leaders, which he is, that's not an age thing. I just mean, if you've been in it, you're at a higher level, or in your case, like a CEO or a founder, it's, you have to constantly be in this position of coaching and teaching and developing other people. And it's an, and job, right? You have an, and job and constantly working on yourself. And the, that seems to be a commonality among the ones who are great CEOs or great senior leaders is this combination of a fantastic coach and developer of people and someone who is really good about working on themselves and having, like you said, that, that never arrived, always becoming mindset. Yeah, no, I mean, love, love everything. Please, anyone that's listening, give uh, the pursuit of excellence an, an opportunity because you won't be disappointed. I know a lot of the people I do often talk about you because I think the world of you, you're always so gracious with your time and giving so much great content and, and would love to give a life update. I know a lot of people do listen to your podcasts in, in uh, some of the underdog podcasts. I probably have uh, one 100th, but once again, you, you taught me at the beginning of this podcast, don't, don't, uh, you know, relate to that. we got to focus on myself here, but yeah. you know, you, you've grown so many platforms, Ryan. Uh, can you kind of give an update with, with life and what's going on in, in the world of Ryan Hawk? Oh, dude. Uh, <laughs> I know that's I an open-ended question, but you know, the, 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 the podcast is, is remains my favorite thing to do. I just, like I, I mentioned, you know, I just recorded with Vanessa Van Edwards and my mind's still kind of racing from how amazing it was to talk to her. So deep, long form, one-on-one -on -one conversations remains my favorite thing to do. And it's been whatever, 460, 70 ish, uh, episodes now, that that i i put out and and consistency is a big deal to me so you know every sunday at seven eastern they're going out um for seven and a half years mindful mondays now 300 what seven consecutive mondays like consistency means a lot to me and i don't see that changing anytime soon so the podcast is the foundation for everything the learning leader show means a lot to me. It's called learning leader for those who don't know, because my favorite leaders, my favorite bosses, my favorite coaches, my favorite teachers were learning leaders, constantly working on themselves to learn and grow and improve and get better for the betterment then of the people they're serving. 
Um, but that obviously you mentioned the pursuit of excellence, the most recent book I published, and then the welcome to management was my first book a couple of years ago. So I'm, I'm focused on writing. I'm in like the idea stage where you just put a bunch of stuff down on the page and try to figure out what does this turn into? And I don't really know yet because I'm still in the early stages of, of, of writing, but writing is a daily practice for me. And now with, um, I would say the world opening up the, the, the keynote speaking aspect of the business is, is, has never been like this for me before where, uh, there's a, a lot, there's a lot of demand. And so that's a really good, uh, good position to be in. Cause then you can kind of choose where and when and who you want to work with. And, and, uh, that's helpful because you mentioned too, as a, as a family, which, um, a dad, as a husband and a dad, that's the first priority. Um, I, I do cherish and I'm grateful for the flexibility in my schedule to walk my seven-year-old daughter, Charlie, to the bus stop every morning. Um, that means a lot to me. Uh, I know those days go away fast. So I really, even though it's about a three-minute walk there, it, I, I cherish those three-minute conversations That's what, that are typically one-on-one with her. So that's what I look forward to the most. I don't have meetings that start before 8.30 because of that reason. Um, and, you know, traveling the world, I feel like to go to volleyball tournaments on the weekend, which I'll be in Louisville this weekend for another one. So there's just a lot of life happening, man. A lot of, a lot of, a lot of dad time. And, uh, in between the dad time, there's, I'm, I'm doing my best to squeeze in a lot of really quality conversations and shipping that work and writing and, and, you know, about the partnership with insight global, where I'm working closely with a lot of their leaders. And that's been just, um, we did that deal about a year ago now, and it's, 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 it surpassed all expectations and I had very high expectations going into it. So that part of it has been amazing to work with them. And, and I'd say just one other thing is my leadership circles, which, um, uh, is some of the most, uh, I would say, um, compelling work that I do that means the most to me is, is connecting people from all different areas, geography, different levels and of experience, different industries where we come together every three or four weeks on zoom and, and get to get a chance to, uh, to connect. And I, uh, facilitate and, and set the curriculum for those. And that's some of the most rewarding work that I get to do too. So there's a, there's a lot, but it's, um, it's all stuff that I feel very lucky to, to get a chance to do. Yeah. I know we've had <clears throat> multiple people go to your leadership, you know, uh, workshops and different things. We're actually talking about you this morning. I was talking about the podcast. We do management kind of kickoff call every week and, and, uh, yeah, we, we actually like, he's like, ask Ryan. I'll say, I'll, I'll do that after the podcast. I'll get, I'll get his date. So anyone listen, it's, it's really good content as you can tell. Um, so genuine and, and so tangible. And I think they'll see, we didn't talk a lot about the tangible takeaways from your book, but I love that too. As the book concludes, you give so many different abilities. I, I really believe in that is, you know, the power of storytelling, but then also giving that tangible takeaway of different things that you can implement And that's one thing I did see from afar with you that I try to implement with my kids, Ryan, is, you know, I saw you take your daughter to like the national championships for volleyball and different things. So I've been trying to take my son, I think, uh, I took him to the full full final four of the college football playoffs, but I'm like, hey, I, uh, I'm, I'm I saw that. That sounds amazing. (laughs) I'm like, dude, you are really making it happen. But um, but how cool, how cool those experiences though, man? Like how awesome is that? I I decided in in the best, well, I got to be careful how I say this, but like, you try to make the best of the situation. I think with COVID, I didn't probably have my priorities aligned with, with from a balance with my family. And and I think that showed me I can run a business, but also have a great family life. And, and so I really looked at P 
people like yourself and others that were able to manage their time effectively. And I really kind of pivoted. And so I made a priority of like, Hey, you know, like tonight we're watching the national championship together. He gets to stay up late. Like he, he became and take him to every single game. Uh, even I get crap for it, but it's a lot closer to home. I take him to UC basketball games. I take him, uh, we went and saw Alabama versus uh, Georgia in the national championship. So anyway, like you said, you can't experiences and moments and time, uh, you just can't get back. So I'm, I'm glad that you set the precedent in, in, in watching you and your daughter. I mean, trying. It's, it's I, awesome. I, I just think that the, the gift of experiences, they're just nothing better, right? You get the, you, you get the, the, the joy of maybe giving the, Hey, we're getting ready to go. Right. The anticipate and anticipation of going, then you get to experience it with them. And then as Bill Perkins told me, you get to create the memory dividends that those last forever. And, and so trying to create as many quality memory dividends as possible with the people you love the most, that's as good as it gets. That's why I love the autonomy and the flexibility of what I do. Yes, there are times where I'm going to go get on a plane and I'm going to go do my best to kill it on stage, right? But but those I do those things, one, because it lights me up and it's challenging and it's hard, but it also then can create a lot of other opportunities for me with the people who are most important, and that's my family. So I I, I think there are obviously trade-offs. There are times when you got to go, you got to do things, right? That's part of the deal. But but understanding like why you do it and being intentional about that and planning ahead and, and 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 creating experiences, as Ken Blanchard said, these magical moments in your life, dude, that's the best. So I, I love that you're doing that. I I brought a big smile to my face every time I would see a picture of you uh, traveling or going to a cool event with you, uh, with one of your kids. You'll laugh at this. So he goes. <clears throat> so we went to uh, first and second round of the NCAA tournament and is back in Indianapolis. And so I said, Hey buddy, we're, you know, let's, you know, you want to go to the games? Oh yeah. Yeah. Let's go to the games. And he's like, but I got one request. I want to stop at that, that place. I'm like, stop at the place. Started thinking about it. And I'm like, we stopped at one place on the way to national championship, you get gas and McDonald's, like one of those souped up pilot flying J gas stations. So he, he won this one request is he wanted to go to the gas station that has McDonald's in it. <laughs> I think Isn't I got it weird, it. dude. I hope my wife. Like the weird thing. Some, uh. Just like sometimes they just want to stay in a hotel because a hotel is cool. Like maybe the hotel pool or just the hotel room itself or running the hallways. You, you got to remember like the stuff that's cool. And it's like, let's, let's lean into that, man. Let's lean, lean into the, whatever it is. And I think that's, again, that's how you create those memory yeah. dividends, which lasts forever, man. Yeah. It was not like Kirby smart versus Nick Saban, or he's learning the game. He was like, let's go to the, uh, I said, buddy, you can't tell your mom. Cause I got him like cheeseburgers, like a pop and like, cause it's connected to the gas station, pink starburst. So I loaded them up, right. We're going to national championship. Yeah. We're doing this thing. Right. Sure yeah, enough, man. He, he just wanted to go back to, but we had a blast. And and, and anyway, it's it's so much. Uh, appreciate you, you know, and your time again. And anyone that I think uh, I know, your book was fast selling so fast that it almost ran out there. I know we ordered a bunch, and uh, I know our company's doing a gr- uh, company read and group reads, and we're it's been you know raved about and rightfully so. I know, as I mentioned, so many. I gave some highlights today, but any other way for for folks to go out and get your book? I know Amazon. Any other ways? Yeah, anywhere books are sold, uh, but at the home base for everything is at learningleader.com. So that's where you can see the books, the podcast, everything. So anywhere, um, if, if you want to go to one central place, that's easy. It's just learningleader.com and it's it's all there. Love it, man. I love it. Appreciate your time. And as, as you had said at the end of your book, uh, leaving fresh tracks. So I love yeah, that, dude. man. I 
what needed to go out. I was on the beach and I was like, you know what? I'm going to walk in the sand where there's no tracks. I'm going to start sprinting here. Cause it's like Ryan gets and out and sprints. I'm like, I got to get going here. So I, but love no, I loved it. Fresh tracks. Um, yeah. The best is ahead. You're always, you know, rightfully so just impacting the world and best of luck. Really appreciate the friendship and everything you do. So thanks, man. You know, I love your stuff and I'm excited just to see as you're still at the beginning, dude, think about that. Like you're still just at the beginning and all the stuff you've already built, there's a lot more to come. And I'm just pumped to pumped to see it for you, man. Thanks brother. Really appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the underdog podcast. Please subscribe and rate our podcast on the Apple and Google podcast apps. Leave a five-star rating and send our Twitter handle a screenshot of your rating at underdog pod with your shirt size for a chance to win a free t-shirt. See you next week on the UDP.